This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم آمن الرسول بما أنزل إليه من ربه والمؤمنون كل آمن بالله وملائكته وكتبه ورسله لا نفرق بين أحد من رسله وقالوا سمعنا وأطعنا غفرانك ربنا وإليك المصير لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها لها ما كسبت وعليها ما اكتسبت ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن نسينا أو أخطأنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إصرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين رب الشرح لصدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد ونسكن أبيوان السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته Today we are trying to uh, appreciate some things about a very powerful, I would argue even possibly the most powerful dua in the Qur'an from whatever little I've been able to study Allah's book. Uh, this is a dua found at the end of Surah Al-Baqarah, the longest surah of the Qur'an. And um, the narrations about the surah are pretty remarkable. This is an exception to the rest of the Qur'an, that the uh, Qur'an was descended. It came down via Jibreel salam to the Messenger wasallam. With the exception of these ayat, they were actually given to the Prophet ﷺ when he ascended, when he rose up to the heavens and had a meeting with prophets and eventually even spoke directly with Allah ﷺ. That's when this prayer was given to him. Uh, it's an incredible, incredible dua and has lots and lots of lessons. I'm only going to try to highlight a couple of them for you here. And I'm probably going to be talking about this dua today and I'll be talking about it tomorrow. So let's start with a few background observations, not just about the context in which it was revealed, but also, uh, you know, its placement. Uh, Surah Al-Baqarah, the first, the early account of Surah Al-Baqarah, from the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, we learn about Adam salam coming down on the earth. And Allah Azza wa describing that if ever guidance comes to you from me, to, in other words, to him or his children, then whoever follows that guidance will have no worries and no fears. Right? And finally, Allah Azza wa gave him words from him. And so the, the image of the beginning of the surah is the human being coming from the heavens down to the earth. And here you have an ayah, towards the end of the surah, you have ayat in which a human being ascends now from the earth back into the heavens. And so it's actually a means by which, a very subtle way of the Qur'an telling us, and Allah telling us, that these ayat are ways by which we can ascend, we can elevate ourselves. It's also remarkable about this dua that Allah didn't just mention His Messenger, because He was honored with that. You know, عِنْدَ سِدْرَةِ الْمُنْتَهَا عِنْدَهَا جَنَّةُ الْمَأْوَى When Surah Al-Najm, Allah describes the elevation to which the Prophet reached, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But he actually describes something else here. He's, he includes not only the messenger, but us. Like the messenger believed in whatever was given to him, whatever was sent down to him, but also the believers along with him had faith too. So Allah included 
not only Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi but he included the rest of us in this remarkable dua. So we have been mentioned in the highest of places in this remarkable dua. And that's a special honor given to believers in this dua. Now, after declaring our faith, Allah says about us, before we get to the dua, قَالُوا سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا The believers declared, we hear and we obey. You may have heard this phrase before. We've heard and we've obeyed. Now, this is a two-part phrase, and it's the prerequisite of this dua. Before you ask Allah for something, you have to declare something to Allah. This is actually the same as the Fatiha. First, you have to make a claim to Allah. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ We're worshipping you. We're going to worship you. And then once you've made that promise to Allah, then you're in a position to ask Him for something. وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينُ We need your help. We're going to ask for your help. So first, there's a verbal commitment and a, and a sincere commitment to Allah. And then you're in a position to ask. The same way here, we declare to Allah, we hear and we obey. And of course, this is in the context of the greatest of all of Allah's revelations, the Qur'an. So we're actually not only making any general claim about hearing and obeying, we're making a promise to Allah that we're going to listen to His words. We're going to listen to the Qur'an that He's given us. We're actually going to make an effort to hear what He's got to say. And then when we hear it, we're willingly going to submit ourselves to the instructions that He's giving us. That's the commitment that we're making in سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا But that's not going to be perfect. Even though we're going to make that commitment to Allah to listen and to obey, we're not going to turn into angels. We're going to mess up, we're going to forget, we're going to make mistakes. And so immediately after we say we hear and we obey, or we've heard and we've obeyed, we say, غُفْرَانَكَ رَبَّنَا Your forgiveness, our Master. Because our, our hearing hasn't been perfect, and our obedience hasn't been perfect. So we need you to cover the faults that we've made thus far. وَإِلَيْكَ الْمَصِيرَ And to you, finally, is the return anyway. We're never going to forget that in this journey of listening and obeying, you, whether we, whether we obey you or not, whether we listen to you or not, it's like we're heading towards you whether we like it or not, every single day. Whether you personally, spiritually, and I personally, spiritually, morally, made progress getting closer to Allah, my heart got closer to Allah or not, my soul is heading towards Allah anyway. It's not like I'm getting any time, extra time. I'm on this conveyor belt and it doesn't go backwards, it only gets forwards. إِنَّكَ كَادِحٌ إِلَى رَبِّكَ كَدْحًا فَمُلَاقِيهِ but before Allah actually teaches us the rest of this dua, this is the claim. The claim is we're going to listen and we're going to obey. Before he goes any further, he, Allah Himself adds a comment. And this comment is essential in understanding this dua, so much so that you know a lot of times the duas in the Qur'an, they are, the entire ayah is the dua. But here, this comment by Allah is the introduction, and then it's the rest of this dua, and all of that is one ayah. It's not even separate ayat. Half of this ayah is Allah talking, and the other half is us talking. Okay, So that's actually how the ayah is structured. Half of it Allah speaks, the other half we speak. Or the opening Allah speaks, the rest of it is, is we speaking. So what does he have to say before we even ask him? He says, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها لها ما كسبت وعليها ما اكتسبت. And hopefully what I'm going to do today is just highlight that. What is Allah saying before we even make dua to him in this, in this remarkable dua? What does Allah want us to know first? He says Allah does not place a burden, a weight, a responsibility. These are the meanings of the word taklif. Allah does not put a weight, a responsibility, or a burden on any individual, on any person, except illa wasaha, except to their capacity. This ayah is teaching us a number of things so far. One is teaching us every one of us has a different capacity. A child has a different capacity than an old man. A young man and a young woman are different. A wealthy, the wealthy and the poor are different. Someone in one society is different from someone in another society. Someone knowledgeable is different from someone who had no access to education. People are different. 
Allah give us all different responsibilities in life. He will never put anything on us beyond our personal capacity. It's Allah's way of telling us He knows every single one of us individually and exactly what our limits are. And He will never expect from us, to, he's, He won't ever ask us for anything more than we're actually given capability of. La يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وَسْعَهَا That's one of its benefits. The additional benefit here is the word nafs. The word nafs is actually in the Qur'an used to describe the struggling part of ourselves. Meaning our desires come from our nafs. You know, مَا تَشْتَهِيهِ الْأَنفُسِ the, the nafs has temptations and desires and you know, uh, it has emotions, it has feelings. And Allah says, Allah will not burden you with anything more than what you can emotionally handle. More than, he won't make you sacrifice what, you, what Allah put inside of you and you know, make you hurt yourself. No, if Allah gave you a responsibility, it's because you're capable of it. And the third, at least the third benefit for today that I want to make sure you appreciate of illa wus'aha, which is probably the most important in, in my view, is that, you know, I'll give this to you by example so you'll remember it. It's, you know, there, there are some students, like when I used to teach math, right? There are some students that are super smart. They're just really, really smart. And they don't have to study a lot to get a 90 on the exam. They could get a 100, but the kid already knows, even if I don't study, I'm at least going to get what? A 90. So he gets a 90. And nobody else in class got a 90. And so he's like, I'm doing good because I got a 90. But the teacher knows that this kid had way more potential than that 90. So even though technically a 90 is a pretty good grade, the teacher pulls him to the side and says, I know you can do better. I'm disappointed in you. And he says, what? This guy got 60, you're not disappointed in him? And I say, actually, no. He was only capable of 30 and he did 60. I'm pretty proud of him. You were capable of 100, but you didn't use your full potential. You didn't exhaust your potential. You are more capable of this. But you didn't put any effort in. You didn't put your heart into it. And so when Allah has given you wus'a, also means your capacity or potential. Allah is not holding you responsible except to your potential. In other words, each one of us has been made capable of some incredible things. Nobody knows that except ourselves. People will come around and tell you, you're useless, you're worthless, you can't do anything in life, you're a loser, etc., etc., etc. What are you going to do with your life? You know, and you start accepting that narrative about yourself that you're not capable of anything, any great potential. Allah put an incredible wusr, an expansive potential inside every single human being. And Allah will ask every one of us, did you exhaust yourself to your full potential? Is this the very, very best that you could have done? Because I made you capable of doing this, and you stopped trying after you even got here. And you were capable of much more. But I will ask you, because I gave you the potential for this, I gave you much more, and you didn't use it. And so part of the meaning here is not illa bi wus'iha, it's illa wus'aha. The wus'ah of the human being will be burdened. In other words, the capacity, the potential that we have inside of us, we have to be really hard on ourselves. Am I capable of better? Did Allah make me, did, did He empower me with more? Which is why Allah says, قُلْ كُلٌّ يَعْمَلُ عَلَىٰ شَاكِلَتِهِ Tell them everyone should work in accordance with the way Allah formed them, the way Allah shaped them. Meaning Allah shaped you in a way, put yourself to work, exhaust yourself in every way. Everything the Muslim does, there's no such thing as mediocre. There's no such thing as you just getting kind of, kind of getting by at school, or kind of doing okay at work, or kind of taking care of your family, or whatever. Everything you do in life, فَلْيُطْقِنْهُ They should excel in it. Do the very, very best you can. 
This is Allah's expectation from believers. He chose us from the rest of humanity to have the honor to say, La ilaha illallah. That's not a small thing. Like there's a huge population of human beings on earth that don't say La ilaha illallah. And we get to say that? We get to say Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa This is an award given to those who have some amazing potential. And he's going to ask about that. لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها. But what do we get? This, and then, then the, the rest of the statement: لها ما كسبت وعليها ما اكتسبت. This is where I'll conclude for today. Before we get to the du'a itself, we have to be ready for that du'a. This is Allah talking to us before we ask Him. You know, it's it's pretty amazing. He says, "I'll talk to you before you talk to me." It's basically what's happening here. Before you ask me, let me tell you. Let me set your mind straight. Let me orient your thinking. So He says: لها ما كسبت وعليها ما اكتسبت. To every individual's benefit is whatever he or she earned. And every individual will only be harmed by what he or she earned. You will only be benefited by what you earned, and you will only be harmed by what you earned. Now the, the, the earning is mentioned twice. Kasabat, iktasabat. Two different words for earning have been used. And there are lots of reasons for that. My job today is in a couple of minutes to, to help you think about what those two, what reasons can there be. Kasaba is the natural word for earning. Iktasaba is the unnatural word for earning. Normally you don't say iktasaba, you say kasaba. Allah Azza wa is telling us good deeds are actually part of our fitrah. Naturally, you, Allah made you capable of doing good things. That is how Allah programmed your soul, your heart. And so our hearts are inclined towards goodness. But when shaitan convinces us, we actually go out of our way and earn evil deeds. And shaitan convinces us that actually evil deeds are easier to earn. And good deeds are harder to earn. And we go against our nature, unnatural earnings, and that's iktasabat. That's one of the meanings of kasabat and iktasabat. You're fighting your own nature when you're earning evil deeds. We're also learning in this ayah because of the ikhtisas, nothing else will matter. These du'as are there, but these du'as are not a substitute for you thinking about the only thing that Allah will ask me of is what I earned for myself and what I earned against myself. And what you earn and you don't earn isn't just by your hands. Everything we do by our hands affects our hearts. And actually, at the end of the day, فَإِنَّهُ آثِمٌ قَلْبُهُ A couple of ayat before, actually what's sinful isn't the hands. What's sinful is actually the hearts. And the hearts, the only thing that's going to matter on Judgment Day. What good deeds, we're earning cleansing of our hearts. Bad deeds, we're earning pollution of our hearts. That's what Allah is teaching us here too. But last bit on this is to just appreciate a parallel. I'll give you a silly example, but you'll get the point, I think. If I told you, you know, there's a, it's a little, bit of, little bit of grass on the side of this building. I said, hey, there's a spot here. Here's a shovel. I want you to dig a 10-foot hole. I want you to dig a 10-foot hole. At the bottom of that 10-foot hole, there's a quarter waiting for you. 25 cents. Get started. In the middle of the afternoon, Ramadan, you're fasting. Get started. Texas heat. And the next to you, there's another guy. And I say, here's, here's a shovel. Same 10-foot hole next to him. There's $2 million at the bottom of this waiting for you. Okay? Both of these guys are out in the sun, digging a hole. But one of them does it once. <sighs> Not worth it. This is too hard. It's too hot. The guy that's digging for $2 million bucks. You ask, is this, are you, do you want to stop? Do you want to? <laughs> no, 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 I'm good. I'm good, bro. 
the hardest thing became easy. Why? Because what's at the end of that is worth it. And the easiest thing can also become really hard because what? It's not worth it. Allah says, لَهَا مَا كَسَبَتْ لَهَا مَا كَسَبَتْ Good deeds, no matter how hard they are, are actually, kasaba is the easy earning. Iktasaba is hard earning. We actually think that sins are easy, good deeds are hard. But it's actually the reverse. When you internalize in your mind, what is it that a good deed is worth? What is it that Allah is going to give you? What millions are waiting for you? Then you'll be fine. And be like, ah, nothing. That's easy. No, no, no. I think you should stop. It's really hot. This isn't worth it. Just go take a break. I'll do it. No, no, no. You say, I'll, I'll, this is my job. I'm going to do this. You don't want anybody else touching your deeds. Because this is going to bring you a lot of ease. You'll forget all the difficulty. Because on your mind is all the ease that is coming. You understand this? That's laha makasabat. And on the flip side of it is alayha maktasabat. Actually, for a true believer, sins may feel really easy, but you're going to see them as super hard. Everybody else is like, come on, man, it's just a party, just go. I can't, I can't, it's too much, I can't. Why, why are you so hard on yourself? Why, you, why can't you just chill out? Well, you can't, because it's iktisab for you, it's not just kasab for you. It became too heavy for you. That's laha makasabat. This is the mindset that someone has before they make this heavenly dua to Allah, literally taught in the heavens, that we're going to be learning about inshallah ta'ala tomorrow. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Quran al-Hakim, wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayat, wa dhikr al-Hakim, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.